Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Roundtable, episode 10. I am feeling free as shit. <laughs> Not going to lie. Between this conversation, that's uh, it, basically a, a Patreon group chat to the Patreon group chat that followed. I am just the back and forth that we had, the recognitions that we went through, the understanding that all you need is you is the most freeing thing you can ever recognize or it's, you know, through the recognition or the analogy of traveling without luggage or just going into any situation, knowing you'll be okay because you're it because you have you, whatever it is, whatever hits home for you, the freedom that, that you inevitably experience through enough of those recognitions is second to none. And I really appreciate the process of these conversations every time we have them, because I watch this overarching trajectory that happens, especially on days like today, where we have a roundtable and then immediately after we have a Patreon group. Because as you said, the roundtable is very much like a Patreon group, but in the Patreon group, it's a little bit more private. So people feel like they can open up a little bit more, but that's what I mean by the trajectory. No matter if we're feeling comfortable going into the conversation or not, there is this transition that happens over the first 10 to 20 minutes where we just settle into the conversation and we recognize, right, there's no direction for this conversation. Where do I want to go? And everybody relaxes a bit. Everybody lets down whatever expectations of themselves that they might have had walking into it. And the conversation starts to flow. And in that flow, you can actually feel the difference. It really is just this feeling of ease. Even if there's a gap, that doesn't matter. Even if you're not sure what to say, that doesn't matter. It just continues to pass around to, from awareness to awareness, or rather from person to person as one awareness. And we all learn and grow from it. And it's so beautiful to watch by the end of the conversation that people don't want to leave. We don't want it to end. It's so much fun just to have this conversation and hang out with one another for the sake of doing it. I love that experience. And you, the listener, if you're catching any of that, we're so very grateful. We're glad that you're here. And if you would like to be a part of this conversation, we would love to see you. It really is easy to participate in this now. You don't have to wait for an invitation. All tier two and tier three patrons on Patreon can now have access to these roundtables, which will be happening every second week. And the trajectory will just get that much simpler because we're all going to continue to feel more and more comfortable just being ourselves. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live streamed group chat that is Dualist Community Roundtable, episode 10. And we right. are live for roundtable number 10. I'm so excited that we've made this the new incarnation of our roundtable episodes because I like these conversations. I really enjoy the fact that we get to cover so many different topics from so many different points of view. And now that it's something that's available for all of our tier two and tier three supporters to jump into and participate, I, I just think that these roundtables are going to be a lot more insightful and a lot more fluid because we've always went out of our way to find two people to join us on the round table who were insightful and usually creators in, in one form or another. But we have a whole community of insightful people on Patreon. We have a whole community of brilliant, genius-minded people on Patreon and in our community. And so we figured, well, it seems kind of stupid to keep looking around when they're right in front of us. And so 
that's where this has come from. And we're very, very happy to be doing this. I have some things I want to gripe about, but I'll get to that later. I'm going to pass it over to Andrew first, and then we'll start seeing where this conversation goes. Fuck yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited for this one, but I, I I was so ready for the for the group chat that I forgot to like get my I'm live on Twitch sort of set up for my Instagram <laughs> going up live on Instagram because I think it was overlapping with a you know Patreon group and a podcast episode and it's like no this is this is a live stream right here. So yeah, this is uh super exciting second second time we're getting into this and yeah, it's just another uh I don't know, evolution of how we're bringing more people in because, yeah, everyone's got shit to say, whether they think they do or not. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got their experience. And I don't know, as we find on the Patreon chats, the more open we are, the, the less concerned we are with trying to hide all that shit inside of us, the more free we feel, the more we connect, the more we recognize that maybe that's what it's all about. It's just being free in ourselves, being willing to, you know, share our story because we're significantly more similar than we are different. And so it's been, been a blast expanding, you know, all of what is dualistic unity. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for round two of our new and improved round table setup with, with all of our community. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for the last two weeks because admittedly this is, as we've said before, the best part of dualistic unity. Andrew and I chat every day, but it's in engaging with everyone else that we really get a chance to grow. It always reminds me of practicing Kung Fu. Like if you keep practicing with the same person, eventually you, you run out of things to learn, right? And that's kind of the reason that you should be out there engaging with people, engaging with different philosophies, engaging with different religions, engaging with different belief structures as a whole, because that's how you learn, avoiding people who are low vibration never really works. But I wanted to mention, because of course, this is the second time we've done this now. Um, we have Amanda Von Hera with us, who was featured in season four, episode five. She is a big part of dualistic unity. Frankly, she is the third leg to our stool at the moment in terms of the administrative stuff on the dualistic unity end. I don't know where we'd be without her. So as always, we're happy to have her here. But I do want to mention that we have somebody new here after I mention Marie. Marie is here as well. She was here for our last group episode. I just kind of tossed her to the wolves because we didn't know what we were doing in that episode, but she rolled with it beautifully and the episode was fantastic. So I'm very, very excited to have her back today. But we are joined by one other person who hasn't been here for this group episode yet, but we do frequently see in our group discussions on Patreon, who he is always insightful and a pleasure to talk to. Mark, Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to, um, we'd love to know a little bit about how you found Dualistic Unity and, and what it is that uh, you'd like to chat about today, maybe. Sure, I'll try to keep that brief. Uh, but um, I've been really kind of just working on myself, you know, really intently for probably the last decade or so, you know, making slow progress, just reading whatever I could find that seemed to have some ring of truth to it, that gave me things I could try and, you know, just try to have better outcomes in my life and, and everything, you know, and I realized that, you know, that was my responsibility and I was the one that was the common denominator and all the trouble I found myself in. So I decided to work on that. So spent a really long time doing that, making gradual progress, uh, we'll say. Um, and then, um, I don't know, just had a really eventful year last year. I had, um, 
I had some um, some issues, uh, some health related issues that were pretty significant and uh, was out of work for three months. And that's something that's, you know, I've had elective surgery before for orthopedics, but I've never had any kind of illness like that. So I definitely got knocked back and forth for a bit uh, more than I ever have in my life, even more so than when my parents passed. But anyway, once I got through that, you know, I started really I kind of really making some extra headway, you know, getting caught back up where I was mentally and uh, really started, you know, obviously your outlook can be affected by those type of events. And, uh, but it was a positive effect once I got past the painful part. So, um, and then I, you know, I had an event uh, last November uh, where I just had some things, just, I just made, had some realizations, uh, some major realizations. And I had um, I had seen Andrew's videos, and I'd actually followed him for a long time. I think I can't remember what platform, but for a very long time, probably probably a couple years, or at least a year and a half, that I had had him, you know, unfollowed on something. So I saw him from time to time, and I, he was one I, you know, I don't follow anybody unless what they usually say has a ring of truth, like inside me. And he was one of those people. So you know, I was like, I smell it. You know, it's there. I see it. So I want to keep him on the list. You know. So um, anyway, you know, sporadically, and I guess while I was off work, I had seen where you two had connected and kind of where this it had been going for him. I caught up a little bit. And uh, and then in November when I had, you know, it was just a very eventful Saturday night, but uh, I just had some major breakthroughs. Uh, I just felt the urge. I got on and I Googled and I looked him up. I read more. I went straight to Patreon and I looked and I was like, I just did it. You know, it was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for because, you know, especially the last year, I had one of the biggest gaps that I have is somebody to talk to about all the things in my head about, you know, myself and, you know, all those things. I don't have anybody really that's kind of wants to discuss that. And it was right here. And there was this, you can be a part of this, you know, so I went all in and I really went all in to be honest, because I wanted the one-on-one right away. I needed to make sure I wasn't crazy. <laughs> I needed to touch base with somebody that would understand what I was saying and tell me if I was if I was correct in what I thought these realizations were as my, you know, if I if this was right or if it felt right. I don't mean to say right, you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, that was what kicked me into tier three. Um, so and it all happened, you know, and here I am now. And uh I'm even more into it than I was day one. Uh I, I can't even explain. Uh, how my life has changed and how it's all just been for me. I've had nothing's changed here. I've got the same job. You know, I go to the gym the same, all the things the same. It was all here, but my life's totally different and it just keeps changing for the better. And uh, so that's how I got here. That's why I'm glad to be here. And uh, it's been everything to me, honestly. And I just want to reach out to people and I just want to talk and be an ear. And that's, you know, I, you know, for anybody that is like, you know, needs that. And so that's what I'm really hoping to add to this community. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Mark. We are happy to have you, man. I mean, what you've added to this community in the last couple months has been incredible. Honestly, just your, <clears throat> the, the growth that you've displayed your, your willingness to be open and, and honest and vulnerable and, and connect with people has been 
something I've looked up to since you've joined, honestly. So it's it's been pretty incredible. And it's funny when people bring up, you know, I want to make sure I don't seem too crazy. I I always like to think that uh it would be it would be an interesting person to come on here to be someone who sounds crazy to us. Like good luck seeming crazy in this conversation. Like <laughs> I think I think Ray'll probably have you beat in some way, shape, or form, uh, no matter what what you bring up. But yeah, we are we are couldn't be more thrilled to have you as a part of this. Excited for the retreat in uh in April. And yeah, excited for this conversation right here. Cause I know we're gonna get get into some some awesome stuff. And so yeah, I appreciate you sharing and and opening all of that up i don't are uh amanda and marie doing intros this this time around or they're they're vets but i mean certainly pass it along for everyone yeah uh so whoever amanda you wanna yeah, hop up next? Sure. Awesome. yeah put me in the game coach you know i'm always ready oh yeah <laughs> but um hi everybody i'm amanda i am a long time and happy member of the dualistic unity community and you will find me often in discord at all hours of the day it i i can't predict my own schedule of when i participate because it's just when i want to and when it when the opportunity opens up and just i am happy to be here tonight and excited and very curious to see like what how the conversation evolves Awesome. I love having you here, Amanda, as always. And for those who don't know, Amanda is actually a veteran in this conversation, so much so that she was at the first retreat and will be at the next retreat and at the retreat after that. So do expect to run into Amanda if you come to a lot of our events, because as I mentioned, she is a fundamental part of everything that we're doing. And we're very grateful to have her here. Marie. Marie is also a fundamental part of everything we do here. And I've appreciated not just the insight that Marie always brings to the table, but the humor that accompanies it, because I find that Marie definitely resonates with my weird sense of humor, and I very much appreciate her own sense of humor. So it's nice to have somebody else who's uh, so easy to laugh with as it is. And, and so we're very happy to have her here. Marie, why don't you say hi to everybody? Now you've had some prep work this episode. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I definitely love to laugh. You can always find me laughing because you can't take it seriously. <laughs> it's really just, it's uh, it's actually really funny a lot of times. So um, I'm happy to be here. I uh, love being a part of this conversation. I love where it goes and who knows where it goes. Wow, it's a lot of rhyming. Um, so... <laughs> um, yeah, let's just like hop into it. I know Ray came in excited and I'm excited. He's excited. Enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I am. I am because I'm, I'm not frustrated, but mystified by this because I've had a few people do this today. Oddly enough, I've had three different people comment today because I released a video. It's an older video, admittedly, about free will. It's kind of a joke, but it really was the result of a conversation I was having with somebody. And the conversation was, I, I don't think we have free will. I'd like to have a debate with you to prove that we don't. And my response was no, which I find really funny. Somebody commented, well, that's kind of rude. You're ask, acting like an ass. But you see, to me, that gives that person a lot to chew on. How could I say no? And that's the point, because they've already decided that they've settled on an answer. That's why they want to debate. 
because that debate is going to validate them if they can prove that they're right. But then they're holding on to an answer, which stops their growth. So I prefer to just leave it open-ended. That's what makes sense to me. But it's consistently this non-duality crowd that has an issue with this concept of free will. And in that, I think that philosophy is really dangerous. And it's just because it is a philosophy. And I was told today by one of these, one of the fans of non-duality, um, that it's not a philosophy. It's too obvious to be a philosophy. It's like, if it's obvious, then you don't have to talk about it. Right? It's just moment to moment living, isn't it? And in that moment to moment living, are you saying that you're not doing something? that you're not in the driver's seat. Like when we remove the concept and we look at the reality of your experience, there's definitely a you. It may not be the you that you're thinking about. It may not be your concept of you and it definitely isn't, we go through that. But it's still you, the experience of you. To deny the experience of you, it's questionable in the extreme and one has to wonder why. And it's obviously because you, the experience of you, is the source of your pain and conflict. And so we're just trying to escape it entirely. No, everything's just a, just a happening. And it's like, but it happens through you, as you, all the time. That's the whole point. It can't happen otherwise. The entire experience of experience is dependent on an observer, a you. And that's the reality as opposed to the philosophy. And that's unfortunately, the reason that I was saying that this is concerning is because if you're not responsible, if you have no free will, how can you empathize? If you're not having an experience, how can you empathize with others who are? If you're not responsible, you can do anything and just say it's happening. Well, then anybody can do anything. And this is why I always get the urge in having this conversation to wish I was there to just smack them. It's like, why'd you do that? I didn't. Nobody was smacked. Do you see how it doesn't make sense? It doesn't make sense from an experiential point of view. It sounds great. Don't get me wrong. It's a philosophy. But the experience you're having is as somebody smacking you in the face. And if it's just happening, you won't mind if I do it again, right? Because you're not responsible. You have no free will. So it's this denial of what is for the sake, for the sake of feeling comfortable of feeling safe from the conflict that comes with the idea of yourself, but you're not gonna hold off that snowball forever. It will come back because it's the basis of your existence. You can't just say you don't exist and deny that you are always in the driver's seat. You will have consequence. And if you're not responsible, you're always gonna suffer from it because you're not learning because it's not on you. Anyway, that was my little rant. Thanks for participating. Uh, thanks for coming to raise Ted talk, <laughs> but, uh, it is, it really is denial in the extreme, right? Cause it's always both and neither. It's always both ends of the spectrum and neither end of the spectrum. And it's really just a super limited perception of the one end of the spectrum and denying the other. It's like you, the idea doesn't exist. Sure. But you're also everything. And it's the denial, like using the, we've, We've been going back and forth about th free will all week. So if anyone's curious about free will, just listen to all the shit we've posted this week and you'll probably get a feel for what we've been doing. But, you know, using the uh, the cell in the body example, it's like the denial that anything's even there. It's like the denial of 
the cell and the entire body, as opposed to the recognition that it's not just you as the cell. It's like everything is your flesh and it's a denial that any of it exists. And also you don't exist, but it's just that you don't exist as something separate of it. And it's certainly that the idea of you doesn't exist as something separate, but it's the idea that conceptually divides us from everything. And that's the denial as opposed to just facing that, recognizing it as a tool, they find it to be easier to just deny it completely, but then deny all of experience and all of existence along with it. It's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater almost, right? Like, like as opposed to having faith in yourself and utilizing identity as a tool, understanding that you can certainly get caught up in it. You can certainly get caught up in, you know, the emotional roller coaster that comes with reality and this experience. They just cut it all off at the legs. It's almost like antidepressants, how they just sort of numb you from everything. It's like the philosophy of antidepressants, right? It just, it just cuts out everything. Cause it's like, I didn't like that side of the experience. So I'm going to just get rid of all the, all the positive sides. And it just makes you a fucking shell of a person. Like there's hardly anything in there. There's no fluctuations. There's no up and downs You just become numb because there's a complete denial and attachment to a story. There is no meanness. There is just contracting energy, nothing, everything like fucking shut the fuck up sometimes it's like god damn but yeah it's, it, but it's denial in the extreme <laughs> yeah fuck off lovingly uh. wait amanda i love that fuck off lovingly um but i i definitely have felt both so on our last um round table that was open like this i was living um in a different, in a different um, a home. And today I'm in this round table and I'm in my apartment, on my new apartment in a new city. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not making any decisions. I'm just going with the flow, but the decision to move was an active choice that I made that no one forced me to make, that no one came to me and presented, would you like to A, stay in the place you're living now, or B, move to a different place? Like no one presented me with anything. I just made the decision all of a sudden on one particular night. And then once I made the decision, everything flowed. Like I literally uh, applied for an apartment the night that I decided within Within 72 hours, I had a tour booked. Within 24 hours after the tour, I filled out an application for the apartment. Within two days of filling out the application, it was approved. So within six days of making the decision, everything was already flowing. And at that point, it didn't feel like I was actively choosing for things to go at that speed or to get approved or anything like that. But I did make that initial decision to leave from the place that I was to the place that I'm sitting now. And so, yes, sometimes I'm not deciding anything and the environment or the day or whatever is going on is kind of carrying me like a current of water. But sometimes I feel like a fucking force to be reckoned with. I am the one that is driving whatever experience I'm in. And so I go through both experiences, not at the same time, but I do, I do the pendulum swings back and forth and I'm just here for the ride. And sometimes I'm the driver and sometimes I'm in the passenger seat. And it all comes down to your perspective at the time. 
right? It really does. It depends on your level of clarity because it really, I mean, you're always in the driver's seat, but you're always also everything influencing you because you, you determine how it influences you. That's the thing about this free will argument that always gets me is like, well, you know, my choices are the result of everything that happened before me, right? And the perception you have of those things, which means if you change your perception of those things right now, you would make a different choice. So it's not as simple as we'd like to make it at all, right? Like if you were more identifying or you were identifying more with your story, Amanda, just use you as an example, apologies. Um, likely you may not have made that choice because you might've been doubting yourself. You might've thought to yourself, I can't do that. And that decision to not move would have been your free will as well. So our will really does fluctuate according to our mentality. And that mentality really does fluctuate according to how much we identify the box we put ourselves in. And that's the whole thing. Like, it's easy to say like, look, all the dominoes falling made this domino fall, but we're not fucking dominoes. <laughs> they were way more complicated than dominoes. And, and we tend to forget that. Pass this to Andrew and then Mark. Yeah. And, and like you said, it all comes down to how you perceive yourself. Like it's an easy argument to get caught up in the, well, everything leading up to this in my life has led me to this choice, but that's from, from the perception of, of the divided individual, the perception of the illusion of division that you exist as something inherently separate from everything else. As that shifts, as you let go of that and, and you kind of blend together with everything, it's not to say that your experience of you goes away. But you're impacting everything no differently than everything is impacting you here and now. It's not just this linear progression of like cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect anymore. It's it's always right now and everything's impacting everything simultaneously. So it, it almost shifts to just a, an expanded perception and awareness of here now, as opposed to this linear timeline of like, I was born here, raised here, die here, and that's it. And I think people get very caught up in, you know, the, the argument of not having free will when they see themselves as an inherently divided individual, but pass it over to Mark. My whole thing about this is, is that honestly, everything that I've done for the last 10 years was as centered around making different choices and seeing if I got different outcomes. And, you know, um, and that's what's changed every, everything. That's what's changed for me. I didn't make those choices for years and I didn't have to start changing the ones I was making when I did. I just happened to get sick of the stuff I was going through, but, and I don't know why I think someone, I don't know why it, I'm just, I just did, you know, and my, a lot of people and I would have in you know, just go on till the end, you know, doing the same things, wondering why you get the same results. And, and you know, that's how it goes a lot of the time. But, you know, I just, I love it. I mean, I love, ex I love experimenting. I love trying to see, you know, I can do something different here. I just, you know, I may be nervous. I may be afraid. I may not be sure of myself, but I can, I could try to do something different. And like I said, it took forever. I mean, I made little tiny changes. Uh, but I'm, but it's just more and more so clear every day that every single thing is just because I decided it was that way. I didn't ever have to do anything the way I was doing it. And, you know, and I don't know how this relates a little bit, but it was something I mentioned on Discord earlier. I was watching this show last night and it's like a reality show. And this person 
they were going to strap this person on like a Ferris wheel type thing like this, and they would be spinning all around. And the person was all super upset and crying and, you know, fretting over it and really nervous because when they were really small, they almost fell out of one and their brother pulled them back inside. So, you know, she, of course, she's going to go through with it for the team, whatnot. She pushes herself, you know, she's freaking out the whole time, but then she makes it and that's all great. And, you know, but it's become clear to me, even though I know it's really, really hard and I can't do it all the time either, but really there was no connection between whatever happened in the past that doesn't exist anymore and that event and that her right now, that situation. The only thing connecting those two was her in here. Understandably so, totally get it. I get the whole process. I get have I get feeling like you need to work through things and relate them. I get it all, but I don't think you can deny that she could have in the right state of mind just forgot about it and just went forward. That was a choice. We feel like we don't have it, but you do. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's there. And I'm actually really seeing the reality of that more so in the last few weeks. And boy, oh boy, is that something when you really get it. I mean, you believe it, but when you really actually are like, no, it really is. You know, you're just like, whoa. So that's what I'm saying. And choice is amazing. Why do you not want to have it? I'm I'm proud to take responsibility for all the outcomes I've chosen for myself because I've done every bit of it. I'm an active participant. So I, I, I claim it all. I'm fine with it. But I also look for opportunities to make different ones. And I exercise that when I can. And it's super fun, especially when, you know, I get a better outcome that I like that's it. It becomes a dance, right? And that's, that's it once you're in it, but it's practice. It's practice of making a choice and not defining yourself by that choice. Just continuous choosing, continuous being, whatever it is that you're doing. It's always, you know, just you being it. it you are will as it were. And I love what you were saying there in terms of, I just wanted to see something else because we just recorded uh, a review of Groundhog Day this morning and the ultimate insight in that movie if you were trapped repeating the same day over and over and over again is eventually things would start to repeat and if you continue to be trapped there you just want something to be different that would actually be the motivation to you would just be like something's got to change just just to break the monotony of knowing everything and we forget that we forget that the part of life that's so enjoyable is not knowing is about the change, the uncertainty, the actual digging into the experience. And so it's so very interesting, right? But I just wanted to mention that because it kind of ties into a comment that was left in our comment section right now about why do we set goals, right? If we're not trying to achieve an end result, why do we set goals? Why do you go for a walk, right? And I know some people are like to lose weight, to get to this place, but that's not really the point. The point is if you had nothing to do and you weren't trying to lose weight or anything like that, you would likely still go for a walk at some point because the alternative is sitting on your ass all the time and that gets boring, right? So why, why? You could say, well, cause I'm bored. Okay, or because you've been doing the same thing this whole time. So for change, that's why we do it because we are change. That's really it. It's not about the end result. It's about the journey. It's about the step you're on even because that journey can change direction at any point. And if you get caught up on the end result, you're usually doing so because it means something to you and then it's almost impossible to change because you have so much invested in it. And that's the problem. I'm gonna pass it to Amanda before too much time passes because I know she was thinking about something that Mark said. 
spot on. Uh, definitely. My theory, Mark, is that people don't want the choice because they want someone to blame if the choice leads to an experience that is unpleasant or that they don't like. And it's just, if, if I didn't choose it, then it's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. And it's like, but even if you make the wrong choice, it still leads you to an experience that has a lesson or something to enjoy or, or leads to another opportunity. Like there is no wrong choice, no right choice. It's just choices and you live through them. So just choose what you want and then see what happens. And then you'll, you'll recognize patterns or you embrace the uncertainty. But ultimately my theory is just that people don't want free will because then it's all on them. And they don't like the weight of it all being on them. But I'm like, you know what? I'd rather it be all on me than to have some, some external presence or entity or something that's not me that's picking for me. That sounds way scarier than me making the quote unquote wrong choice that's going to lead to something that might be considered unpleasant. And half the things I thought were unpleasant in retrospect are some of the greatest things that I would never get rid of if I had to relive this life and remake those quote unquote bad choices. Absolutely. And, and you're never really going to understand the true impact that you can have on this reality if you keep passing the buck, if you keep foisting responsibility onto something else. Like that's that's really what a lot of it comes down to it. And that's what we try and avoid with so many different things, with so many, just uh, so many of these arguments, I guess, a lot of it, as you said, Amanda, like with the free will, not having free will kind of allows you to pass off the responsibility to not have to take responsibility. And you know, when it really comes down to it, we're all just trying to avoid the reality that it's always been you, always been you. For all of eternity. And so we're doing a lot of different things to try and avoid that recognition, not the least of which being just passing responsibility onto something else. Like deep down, like, I don't know, do all of us know that it's all that it's all me? Um, makes me wonder, but is it not just another iteration of of something that's causing us to be able to avoid that? You know, if if someone else is even here, then we can pass off that responsibility of it being us and and all of this being being you being us. I say us as in me, <laughs> but that's like that's the that's what we're all trying to avoid is the discomfort of it just being you always forever. But same time with the perception of others, but also like, how deep does that go? How much richness could you get out of the experience if you did recognize that it was all you and, and, you know, we're all just trying to avoid it. And we don't even really know what we're avoiding because we don't, aren't even willing to look at it, but we just want to avoid it because as soon as we get a little glimpse, gets uncomfortable enough that we're like, ah, no. Nah, it couldn't just be me. Couldn't just be me. What a hell of a process we go through. It's interesting because as you were saying that, it reminded me that when we talk about knowing that it's all me, we always immediately think conceptual knowing, like something I've, I understand now, something I've learned <laughs> as a concept is something I can take out and go, look at this. But that's not really knowing. 
in the way that we're talking about. In the same way, I, I always use the example of if I threw a baseball at you, you wouldn't be thinking, I know the ball is coming, right? You would just adapt to the ball coming. The knowledge would be in the action itself. See, so when we're talking about self-knowledge, we're not talking about conceptual knowledge, right? And so when we talk about knowing that we're all one, that this is all you, we're not talking about a concept. We're talking about an actual state of mind where you see it that way, where you recognize that's the case. It's not a belief. It's not an idea. It's not something you've ever had to learn. And so if you think back, that is where we come from at birth. That's why when our parents leave the room, we go, they stopped existing because we think we're everything. We know we're everything, but we don't understand how much that is. See, to us at that moment, there is nothing but us. See how we know it? So we all know it. This is something we all recognize. It's the reason this resonates so hard once you can get through the ego. Once you get through identity, once you get through this, this need for control and you're talking to somebody about this, you ever notice like it hits deep. It hits right to the soul. Why? Because we've all been there. We've all been in that state of mind. We started there before we had an idea of ourselves. And so this is, this is all we're doing. It's not about knowing. It's about accepting that we've always been it. Nothing has changed except the illusion that we've put on top of it. And I think the only reason that we put that illusion, quite frankly, is because we don't know how to temper our influence. It's almost like we had to limit ourselves to an idea in order for us not to just go willy-nilly damaging everything around us. It's almost like, you know, being born into a body that can't take care of itself is almost like the governor to make sure God doesn't just arrive and start fucking shit up, right? And that's, that's exactly what it is. Like we're growing into that awareness over time. And when we do that, that's when we experience empathy. That's when all of a sudden we have those brief moments where everything we do suddenly changes because of sensitivity because of awareness, because of that recognition. Oh shit, you are me. But it's a hell of a journey, right? It's, and it's almost sad that we have to get so lost in the idea that it's not all me in order to suffer enough to go, okay, I'm gonna start asking questions as Mark said, like suffer enough to go, maybe I can do something different here. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, maybe there's something more. And that's when you start to, to question it, right? But I think that that, that process of losing ourselves so deeply into the ego, while it is important and even necessary, as I was saying, is kind of a governor. I think that it doesn't have to be so long, arduous, or torturing, right? Like, I really do think that our schooling system, our government, all of the ways that we've learned to parent our kids, shit like that, like, that's just gotten out of hand with this divisive mindset. I don't think it needs to be necessarily that. And I think if we can mitigate that in our own lives, then everything's going to change as a result, right? And so, children coming into the world will go through that whole process of de developing an idea of themselves, but not so much that it cuts them off from kids that they don't like or kids that, that live differently because they've learned like, yeah, but this is just something you can do. And I say this as a parent, I need our listener to understand that like raising my own daughter, there were numerous times where she would get pissed off about a friend mistreating her. Or she would get upset about somebody who was being selfish or she would get upset when she was being selfish. These were all conversations that I had with her as she grew up about not taking yourself too seriously about empathizing with where somebody else comes from by putting yourself in their shoes. It's really all it takes. It's really all it takes. But imagine if the rest of the environment that she was growing up in, if the other kids that she was growing up with had that same conversation with their parents, imagine if their parents had that same conversation with their parents and you start to see how heaven on earth isn't a pipe dream. It's not some utopian concept. It's something that we have to fucking work for because it means something. Why does it mean something? Because it's all you. 
And that's the only responsibility that's going to make that happen. That's the only level of responsibility that's ever going to make this change is if you recognize it's all you and change accordingly because you can. Yeah, recognizing the necessity of identity and going through that because if we were all just like came out of the came out of the womb like being god recognizing it fully recognizing our full potential it would wreak havoc because we would have no sensitivity it would be it would be fucking nuts but at the same time it's like all right i think i think we've done enough to to dispel that you know like babies coming it's like we don't have to worry about we we beat them into submission pretty good with the whole identity thing and you're divided and, and everyone's separate from you. So I, th- I think we've gotten to a point, as Ray said, in society where we can kind of pump the brakes on that whole thing. Like we've taken that so far that now people just go their whole fucking lives believing that it's the case. And I was even thinking of this the other day, like with, with gravestones and everything, like we've taken it beyond death. Like, it's not even just our lifetime anymore. It's like, we want to build empires and legacies so that we, the idea of me lives on for eternity, as opposed to just recognizing that we are eternity and the reality of you is eternal, having impacts on everything in every single moment, all of our impacts, everything we say, everything we do echoes in eternity. So everything you do here now, even in this just little minuscule incarnation, is echoing in eternity and influencing everything else and not divided from anything else. So it's funny seeing the uh, necessity and even the, you know, just the benefits of being able to identify, but we've just taken it so far. That's like, all right, we can, we can chill with that for a bit. We can, we can allow that pendulum to swing back a little bit towards the letting go of that. But, you know, we've gotten so caught in it that it's kind of like a, I don't know, self-fulfilling prophecy, kind of refining cycle that gets harder and harder to break through until enough people start, I guess, hitting that rock bottom or or just enough people are talking about it simultaneously that people start to bounce off and and question it enough. And, and that's, you know, as things start to shift and that's what's happening right now. Like this is, this is the shift. This is the, the shifting. This is it you know, right now, this conversation, just discussing it, it's already happening as, as we're talking, but yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's all I got regarding, regarding that stuff. I'll pass to Amanda now. <laughs> I, I like what you said about the gravestones, um, Andrew, it, it reminded me of, um, I heard someone saying the other day that they care less about the numbers on their gravestone and they're focusing on the dash in between like what did they do with their dash and it made me think um you know when i was younger i was always focusing on on what am i choosing what's next what am i getting out of it and now it's like well why why like what is behind that choice you know why am i asking for x y and z why am i pursuing this goal why am i in this relationship, friendship, career. It's more about the why and less about the what I'm choosing, but why I'm choosing it that I'm focusing on more because that adds more to my experience as a whole than than what I choose and what I tend to find myself in. But I, you know, it's a it's a process. We were never taught to make choices, right? Like we were really very much taught to make choices within a very narrow corridor. We were taught to make choices in, in regards to the societal overarching narrative 
Like make your choices so you fit within all of this shit. Those are the choices that you should make. You should never be making them for yourself, except by virtue of how you fit into all of this other shit, right? Like we don't get asked, how do you want to feel about your life when you get older? We get asked, what do you want to do for a job? And isn't that fucking bizarre? Because that's really the question is, how do you want to feel about yourself when you get older? That's the purpose of all of this, is it not? But we don't think of it that way. Instead, we get fucking drilled into school where we're taught to learn for a purpose, to learn for an end result, to learn for this societal plan that they have for us. And so it's never for us, right? Or hardly ever. And when, when it is, then you know we're like, woo, I don't have to do that. But it's almost out of resent because we've been told what to do our whole fucking life. And so we set toxic boundaries based on emotional hurts that were caused by people who can't actually recognize that they're insensitive because they're so caught up in their feeling of control because they've aged so much that they forget what it is to be the, the kid that they're fucking with, which is so very interesting. And so on that note, I actually, I want to talk briefly about the schooling system because recently I had an opportunity to meet with another community member here in, in the town that I live in, in Nanaimo, just to brief shout out to everybody in the community that if you happen to be on Vancouver Island in the Nanaimo area and you would like to have a coffee or even a beer or maybe a hoot, look me up. I'm more than happy to get together and shoot the shit with you because I, I honestly enjoy doing this face to face. But anyway, in that conversation, we were talking about the fact that this community member was actually homeschooled. And I was talking to their parent, who was also there, who had homeschooled them. And so it was so interesting to me to see the change. But this person had actually been homeschooled to a point and then went back into high school because they had to because of the limitations at the time. Homeschooling wasn't really accepted 20 plus years ago. It was very difficult to do. And so it's so interesting that in that time period, they got to experience the system, whereas my own daughter isn't in high school that way. Like her high school is, is from home. She doesn't have exams and shit. It's totally different. It's totally different. And, and so I think that we're making strides towards maybe allowing our kids to be more human, but I, I don't think it's deliberate. <laughs> I think it's just the fact that the system can't keep up with its promise to educate our children and make them self-aware because that's not what the schooling system is about, or at least that's my thought. And Marie, I'm going to throw this at you. I told you I do so, but I'm curious as to your thoughts, because I know you actually work as a teacher. I love it. Yeah, I could talk about this for days. So I don't mind being put on the spot. Um, I actually had an interview today. I talked about uh, to be a head kindergarten teacher. Um, nice. Uh, yeah, I. Um, but anywho, uh, it's cool. Um, kids are interesting. And like, I have been thinking about the vision of like my ideal school for years now, because um, growing up, uh, going through the school system, I was like, this has got to be better. What the fuck is this? What is this? This is just like, and what it is, is like a conditioning. It, it, it's just really like society or us. I mean, it's all right. It's like um, trying to push this agenda of like, um, separate, all is agenda, separation, uh, fear. It's just like, and um, capitalism <laughs> um, and 
there's no, what I like to focus on as a teacher is the joy and curiosity that comes with learning and like the, and that, that comes up naturally, like that, that there's no need for an actual agenda really. Cause just naturally pe people are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, let's explore this. What is going on? And like, there's a, there's like joy and enthusiasm that comes through that. Like if that's driving you, then there's, there's nothing bad that's coming from this. And it's like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna leave it for there. And then uh, I'm good stopping for a bit. <laughs> Enthusiasm, right? If it's driving you, it's unstoppable because it's for you, right? And that's the one thing that we tend to miss. And so like we, we get into this carrot and stick mentality and we think, you know, people should just be ushered in a direction with a big carrot or the threat of a stick, but that only lasts for so long before they, they become resentful of that entire game. And then they might be doing what you want begrudgingly. Yeah, it is very interesting, but it makes sense when you recognize that with, you mentioned with capitalism and just the system and, and all that stuff that school really is just a training ground for worker bees, basically. Like I, I'm pretty sure Rockefeller said that someone someone said that some old white dude said that at some point that uh it really is for to to create workers for the system like that's what school is it's not for you know learning how you want to live your best life it's for becoming a good worker and that's why you know completing tasks are a big thing that's why being graded and being considered based on that are, are how we measure people because it's to push them into a system in which, you know, they become a number, they have a certain value on their life. They make a certain amount of money, a certain amount goes back into the system automatically. And it's, it's this process. And so it makes sense why school fucks so many people up because it's not about them. It's not to benefit them at all. And, and, you know, kids are lucky when they come across a teacher that actually cares about them and, and growing them and developing them, because that's not what the system's made to do. It's like they get that sort of teaching and schooling despite the system. Like it, it's directly going against the desires of the system because it's not to create free thinkers. It's not to create people, help, help people be molded into people who think differently. It's to get, you know, align people so they think all the same and kind of smush them into just this tiny little narrow path of, you know, being right. And we talked about that in our uh, ADHD community topics episode that, you know, that a, a way of learning that's closer to those who are diagnosed with ADHD was how we existed for a very long time. It was bouncing around to different tasks. It was like kind of being on the ball and being willing to go in and out of sort certain tasks, depending on what was asked of you and the way the current system goes, which the school system is a reflection of is not that at all. It's right down a to-do list, get these tasks done, get it done by this time. So we can keep, you know, pushing the system on. So it, it doesn't, it's not about us at all. And I think, I don't know, that, that's a understanding I realized not even that long ago, within the last five years, that school system was to push people into the workforce. It wasn't about teaching them anything, 
really, which is why so many of our classes just like don't really make sense. Like, yeah, you don't really have to know that, but it's just a training ground to get you to think a certain way. It's not even to think about certain things, just to mold you into a robot. <laughs> but uh, I'll pass back to Marie. Uh, yeah, totally. All of the things. Um, I, it's crazy to think of, it's crazy to think of all of that, but it's like, I don't even know where I was going to go with this. <laughs> I was like trying to roll with it, but, um, I don't want to like repeat what's already been said, but I don't think we can um, avoid that. Half the time is just saying it in different ways. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Um, I it's cool to be a part of like I've met people along the way that like want to change what education can look like or what any of life can look like because we forget that it's like all made up and that like we always have the power to choose and re like do things differently. This is us. Let's just, hey, this looks great. <laughs> Let's try this. Um, it's like, no, we can't because this is how we've always done it. And we love that mentality. That continues the sheep mentality. This is like what we want. We're going to pump all this information to you all throughout your life so that you have this idea of yourself that you're competing against others, that you're separating yourself from others. And then you're also feeling shitty about yourself because you're being graded constantly. And like, that's bullshit and makes no sense. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just like, I think I thinking of free will and I think what I'm doing is tapping into that this greater understanding and allowing that to push me to see where this goes. Like, okay, um, we can do things differently. Let's do it then. And I believe I've been meeting people throughout my time in education. It was like, yeah, things could be different, but what are you going to do? And it's like, let's just get together. What are you talking about? We all, we all feel this way. Let's get together. We, we have the knowledge. We have the experience. Let's get together. We can create our own. What are you talking about? It's like, just get together, community. This is why I love this too, because it just reinforces community. And it's like, we are, when we all come together, we are stronger. And that's also something I try to push uh, with my students too, not push, that's crazy. But <laughs> Encourage, encourage, absolutely. Um, it, it's really interesting, because I mean, even on the other end of the spectrum, like we get old enough, we go into university and whatnot, and we enter academia. And even there, if you want to introduce a new concept, you have to source other works before you you have to cite other other people before you and otherwise they won't even accept it as something that's credible they won't even look at it unless you have enough people to cite to back up your point of view but what if your point of view is completely outside of the current norm nobody's going to take you seriously and i'll give you a perfect example there are numerous cave paintings all over europe that are like thirty thousand years old right and on these paintings of animals and whatnot there are these dots beside them and nobody ever thought, maybe those mean something. Except some hobbyist working at home decided, 
to look at all the photos of these things, start comparing it to lunar cycles and the, and the ages of all these animals. And he figured out the fucking dots were indicating how long these animals lived according to lunar cycles. And so that's what they were doing, but nobody had ever considered that. And had he just tried to go into school to prove it, they wouldn't have taken him seriously. He had to go out of his way to find one person who actually was willing to look at it, who was in academia, and now they're taking it seriously. But can you imagine how much of our intellect and our imagination and our genius we are squandering simply because we're limiting everybody in terms of what they can do and how they can express it and how they can share it and how we can grow from that. And it's not to say that you know peer review doesn't have its value, but it certainly has its limitations too. It's just very safe. Amanda. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely, Andrew, it was Rockefeller who funded public education to create workers for the industrial revolution. Um, and all public school does is breed an environment that rejects failure, that rejects making mistakes, because, um, as you guys had mentioned in a previous episode, it's a performance-based environment versus a learning environment where you embrace mistakes and failures because that's where you're going to do your, your, you're going to have your greatest lessons within those failures. and. And um, Marie, I hope that, you know, you know, you had just said, like, why don't we do this together? And, you know, that is a great idea to maybe create a nonprofit business that will just start small and just get funding to buy one building and then work with local parents that are already homeschooling and then just creating the space for them to create that learning based environment that's not based on performance or grades or any of that bullshit, because all that does is stifle kids and then it makes learning not fun and they don't have any enthusiasm for it. And so, you know, at least I'm not sure exactly where you live, but in the US, you know, corporate citizens have more rights than, than individual citizens. And so the way that I think about moving is uh, moving as a business and not moving as an individual, because if I move as a business, I'll have more flexibility and more options and more protections available that I wouldn't have as an individual. So, you know, start small, create a nonprofit business, have one class, have five students, have two students, but just the minute that you can pick up some momentum, that will grow and then you will be running your own school and then that will lead to other schools and you'll inspire other people. But um, I love the quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, you know, um, I, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing something along the lines of, you know, people wonder if a small group can make a difference when a small group is the only group that's ever made a difference. You know, like it's not, it's not, we don't have to have a hundred million people armies behind you to create real change. You can make a huge ripple with just pure intentions from a very small, but impactful group. You know, I like to use the phrase, you know, I'm tiny, but mighty because I may be one person, but I can certainly make big waves and so can you. So um, if you, if you ever wanted to brainstorm or research, like, please let me know because I I would love to help you further uh, flesh out that idea for how you can start your own school because fuck man if there's a will there's a way and and I can see that you do have the will and so I'm 100% behind you and that right there everyone is why Amanda is such a fundamental part of dualistic unity because she shares our lofty ambitions without a ceiling and that's exactly what this is all about because why the hell not why can't we? Krishnamurti himself was part of the foundation of three different schools where they taught students not what to think, but how. So what's to say that we can't do the same working together? 
with the right intention based, based on a mentality of just openness and vulnerability. Why can't we? Aside from the fact that we keep either focusing on ourselves because we're terrified based on the fiction that we can keep convincing ourselves is true, or, or we just keep telling ourselves we can't. Because it's the only reason. And there's other people like, you can't do that. Watch me. Right? That's the whole point. Watch me. It's going to happen. You can't deny it forever because I have the same ability that you do. And I'm far more fucking stubborn. Right? And that's, that's just something to keep in mind. Like I was saying to Andrew, you know, people don't happen to me. I happen to people. Right? Because this is my life. If I decide I'm going in a direction, I'm going in that direction. Unless I change my mind, which may happen. Don't expect. <laughs> but it really comes down to the fact that if I believe in it, if it's something that, that I feel, not believe in, but if it's something that I feel, it's happening. You can either move or get dragged. We'll pass to Andrew, then Mark. Yeah. Yeah. You're in here with me, motherfucker. <laughs> that uh, line, I forget the movie, but I fucking love that line. Whatever, whichever one uh, you showed me, I'm sure Rail will say it in a sec. But uh, w- I think I think a lot of people get Watch caught me. up because Watchmen. Nice. Uh, we get we get caught up in pitting ourselves against the system. Like a lot of what we've said so far could could be seen as like being super anti-system and all of that. And like as much as I am and as much as I recognize how fucked and distorted the mentality is, I think there's an extent that people go where it's like you're either in it and accepting of it or you're like anti it and you feel like you have to fight it like hold on, what if kind of what we've been talking about, what if we just kind of work within it and under like infiltrate and undermine from within like the whole like Trojan Trojan horse story sort of thing. It's like, no, it's, it's still, it's a fucking monster of a reality that's dictating our whole reality because it is a mentality. And as we are able to sort of roll with it and kind of blend in, as we go, there's so much more impact that you can have because it's not about fighting it. It's not about killing it. It's about allowing it to recognize that it isn't useful. It isn't actually of the most benefit to everyone. Like even the people perpetuating it, what they really want is something that isn't it, but it's all we know. And, and it seems too daunting to take it down or to, or to change it. So we just either avoid it or we fight it, but fighting it and, and being angry about it is futile as well. Cause it's like, you're not going to be able to have the impact with that sort of, sort of energy. It's like there, there's a different stream of energy that you can access. And I think a lot of it is through letting go of needing to identify as either for or against the system, letting go of that and recognizing that you're eternal and there's nothing else to do besides slowly turn the fucking giant. You know, it's not about doing it. We don't, we don't need it to be completely different in our lifetime. We don't need it to be flipped on our head in this incarnation's lifetime, recognizing that you're not what you think has a lot of depth and you can, you can kind of see what the best strategy for it is, as opposed to getting so lost in your emotions and desires and, and preferences and, and anger and whatnot that you don't really act in the most efficient way. But when you're able to take a step back and, and work through yourself and let go of what you cling to for that sense of certainty, you can actually see other options and see, oh, maybe it isn't about, you know, 
believing in the system or hating the system and trying to kill the system. Maybe there's an in-between. Maybe there's something else. Not so different than, you know, the atheist versus the theist debate. It's like, oh, there's definitely a God. Oh, there's definitely not a God. Maybe you're God. Maybe you're God. And in that, you have the power to shift the system. So, Mark. Two things. Uh, one, a um, few weeks ago or a month ago, maybe, uh, uh, we were in a, one of our Patreon chats, I think, and Amanda had put something in the chat, um, you know, that thing, fail, first attempt in learning. Isn't that right? So I just wanted to share that uh, I had a meeting with all my employees today, and that's kind of what I tried to get across to them. You know, don't be afraid. It's fine. If you mess up something, we'll figure it out. Just trust yourself. Just do stuff. Quit stressing yourself out. It's not, you don't have to be that hard. Uh, and I've definitely been trying to set an example at work and uh, for anybody I encounter, because I do see myself in them. Every, every single person I'm like, I remember when I was like that. I remember when I was like that. I remember when I used to get stressed out like that. I remember when I worked weekends, you know, so I'm trying to, you know, just be there for those people and help build them up and realize they can set boundaries, make different decisions. And that brings to the next thing is Marie was talking about, why can't we just stop and make a different decision? Well, we can. We just don't want to. Enough of us don't want to. Uh, but that's all we have to do. It's the analogy of just me talking about earlier. I got sick of my own crap. So I started trying to figure out what different decisions I could make in increments, little tiny things at first. But it's obvious we're all the, this. I'm just a smaller expression of all of us, all as one unit, there just has to be enough of us to turn, <laughs> to make different choices, to start the turn. And uh, that's all it is. And we know it. We just don't want to do it or we want to say it's hard. Because as we always say, when we say, oh, change is hard or that's difficult. Well, that's just because we're saying it is and we don't want to do it. <laughs> or we don't want to put the effort into it. Or we know it's going to be, you know, we're, it's going to require us to really get in there. So but anyway, it just feels really good. So, you know, just with both of you, uh, just things just in my head going like that, but really good. But that really is all it is. That's it. So, you know, the more of us that start making different choices and do something, just like we've all just said, it adds up, it billows out and more and more. And that's But that's what we've got to do. we got to get sick. Enough of us have to get sick of our crap and decide to make a different choice. Exactly. Well said. And it's funny because there are a lot of people sick of their crap. I, I always bring up Occupy Wall Street. Mark, you might remember Occupy Wall Street, where basically there was just a bunch of pissed off people based on the fact that we're all suffering and Wall Street executives are getting golden parachutes and all kinds of fucking you know fat sacks of cash and whatnot. And it just didn't feel right to a bunch of fucking people. And so they went and they occupied Wall Street. And it was a great movement in that there was this overarching something is wrong. And then they're like, but what? And that's where it died. Because all of a sudden they had to narrow it down to a single problem, not we're sick. How are you sick? Does it matter? We're sick. Let's treat that. Let's, let's like, like take that seriously. That's really the whole fucking point. But it's because we didn't have the mentality to recognize what the option was. Everybody kept trying to come up with like, how do you want the system to change? How do you want the system to change? How do you want the system to change? It's like, nah, it's us. 
we have to change. The system that arises from that is organic and comes from our mentality. But in order for us to do that, we actually, actually, we actually have to look at everything we've been doing. And just as Mark said, say, yeah, it's enough. Not, not just little changes, but the acceptance that this whole game is fucked. We need to start over. And in starting over, it comes down to us. It really does. And somebody was asking, what would be your ideal society? I don't know, because I, I don't want any single person to run it. It shouldn't be any single person's vision of what a, a, a functional society would be. But I would say that if, since it is such a question, it should never be one. It should never be one person's vision of society. It should never be even a small group's vision of society. Society, all of us, are very diverse. And we don't live everywhere at once. We live with our neighbors and our community. That community should be dictating its own way of life. And it's not like we don't have the capacity to do that. We can work with our neighbors. We can work with people across the world while having our own local government that actually represents the people because it's of the people, not just in name, where you have to wear a little flag and says, look, I support this country and all that shit. But you actually know that person because they're part of your community and they're arguing merits that mean something to them, not just towing the party line. That's it. It's just this overarching mentality of control. As long as we're participating in it, you will always end up with the urge for a global government. You will always end up for the, with the urge for more capitalism and more control and more money and more. You'll always just continue to participate in the same mentality. It's like any addiction. You have to recognize you have a problem and then stop, right? You can't stop before you recognize that there is in fact a problem. Andrew and then Marie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get there first. How about, how about everyone recognizes that they're not separate. They're not divided, that this is one organism experiencing itself. And then I think the, you know, the perfect system, the natural system, will arise from that, but it's not from this deciding upon it. It's not this, but that's all we know. We know, make a decision and then see how it plays out. It's like, what if it just arises through us and through a shift in mentality, a shift in how we live, a shift in how we see each other naturally it unfolds, but we're so disconnected from the natural unfolding of things from organic growth that we can't even fathom something arising naturally, something just happening naturally. And, and that's how I see very much see dualistic unity. And that's why it's some people don't understand how we're going about it because it is an organic growth. It's like a tree growing or a plant growing. Like, how's this tree going to grow? How, how wide is the trunk going to be? How, how fast is it going to rise up and how, how far down are the roots going to go? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a fucking redwood. Maybe it's going to be 200 feet in the air. Who am I to say? Like, why, why do we feel this need to project everything? Because we're afraid. Because we want to be certain. Because we want to know. Like, what, what if we didn't? What if, what if it wasn't about knowing? What, what if it wasn't about trying to predict the future at all times because you couldn't handle the reality that you don't know and you never have? And that's the beauty. And we were talking before, uh, I forget who brought it up with, uh, with uncertainty and the beauty in that, you know, that's a big part of groundhog day is, is everything becomes so certain that he, he knows everything. He knows everything that's always going to happen. It becomes a hell. 
and all he wants is something different. So he, he, you know, he, things start to shift towards the end and like, Oh, is this, is this good or bad for you? It's like, well, it's different. Therefore it's good. And when, when you see the, uh, the prison of certainty and the reality of what that extreme of certainty actually looks like that thing we're all desiring all the time, you recognize how, how awful, how fucking terrible it would be if everything was certain, if you knew how everything was always going to go. And so it, it has to be an organic shift. It can't be a decision because any decision that we make going back to, you know, the shift in society, it's going to be rooted in something that we know. And that's what's gotten us to this society. This society is just an embodiment of trying to use what has happened to create something in the future. It's not a specific thing we've decided upon. It's just an expression of that mentality of deciding upon it. And it's led to this massive thing that's like now got a mind of its own and no one's really in control of it except for all of us. But because we don't recognize that we're all of us, we think that someone else is in control all the time. And so we're like, how do we change the system? We got to change the system. It's like, it's you, motherfucker. You're it. You are the system. It changes as you do. And that's daunting and, and potentially scary when you don't recognize the reality of you. But that's how it's got to be. It's got to be the shift in mentality so that it can organically arise through us because we've already tried the whole choosing how it should be. And we've tried it a bunch. And it always gets super fucked after just a little while. Yeah. The change is oddly enough, just letting change happen, right? Marie. Um, I thought of, we talked about you, I think somebody mentioned like a problem or like the problem. And like, I feel like the problem is, um, all summed up this, no, but like the problem is the, the idea or people believing in the idea that they're separate. So it's like, um, once you, and then when you believe that you're separate, that's like the desire, like you were saying, Ray, of like this world go government or the desire of I want more, I need more because I'm not satisfied in, in what I know. But then they, <laughs> um, but then they don't, they seek through things um, or, and for value in that. And it's like, um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought there, but yeah, it's, it's a mentality that's always pursuing. It's never yeah. enough. Right. And because it's never enough, it's always going to perpetuate that spiral of never being enough, which is why I always find the economy funny. Like it's always got to create more money to satisfy the debt-based economy, but something that you were saying uh, there got me thinking that I lost my train of thought. No, it's coming back. Um, that often our mentality is almost like we're running from the past, right? Like, we look back at when we used to live off the land and go, oh, but those are like the caveman days. We don't want to go back there. But it's like, maybe we do. Maybe there's something there that was actually beneficial that we've gotten so caught up in this mentality of progress based on our, you know, our sense of lack and identity and all that other shit. That it's like we're running away from a place that we should still be building from, that we should have never really left in terms of a natural mentality that's part of the world. Instead, we're caught up in civilization. 
which isn't organic. It's not natural. It's based on things like social norms and concepts. Yeah, the idea of progress is so funny because we we rarely take a moment to look around, be like, because we're just running in a direction. It's like, this is progress. And we don't see that it's like fucking a, a hellscape of reality and that there's you know people all around us that are suffering so much. And yet, as long as we feel comfortable enough, we don't even want to look around. So we don't. And we think it's like, oh, it's someone else's fault. It's someone else's responsibility. It's uh, the government made this whole thing. And therefore, it led to this and that and this and that. It's like, I don't know, maybe it maybe there's something you can do. Maybe there is a little bit that you can do. But but we're so focused on this idea of progress, that, like we we rarely pause and, and wonder, may, are we going in the right direction, though? It's like we're just running in a direction. It's like we're making progress. It's like, but what if we what if we paused and, and looked around like maybe we could go in a different direction of progress. Maybe progress isn't always more and and techno technological advancements. Maybe it's a decent existence for all of us. Ever thought of that as as progress? But we're so focused on these these very narrow, limited ideas of progress that we've gotten used to, and and so we have all of these very egotistical people who are made a bunch of money and and creating companies, and they're just focused on a very specific type of progress. And I feel like so much of it is technological progress. And and we just see that as like peak society, how technologically advanced can we be? And so we're just ignoring everything else. Like there's so many different facets of the, of the pie of potential progress. And we're like, yeah, that one, that one sounds good. Cause that's going to make my life easier. It's like, it's just a, a little sliver in the pie, as opposed to looking at all of them and being like, maybe we could spend, you know, a couple hundred years on this one, because we've been neglecting that one for a very long time. But that one doesn't make us as comfortable and doesn't, it really does come back to us, I guess, like our comfort and our, but also, you know, with the idea of ourselves, with the, you know, religious mentality and the divisive mentality, we never feel like we're enough in that. It's like a, a hungry beast that's never full. And so then we can't look around because we never feel fulfilled. So we never have an overflowing cup. And then it always is just trying to fill up our cup with more of the same shit, as opposed to recognizing that maybe we've never had an empty cup. Maybe the cup doesn't even exist. Maybe it's always been full. But yeah, until we see that, until we become comfortable in that and just recognize that, which is, you know, what we're talking about all the time. I don't know that that line of progress is probably just going to keep going for a while in the way that it is. Yeah, exactly. We got onto the idea of change and progress here. And somebody was actually mentioning that the central banks are the problem. And I want to talk about that because it's actually kind of an interesting conversation in regards to change. And, and it's the same thing, right? Like the central banks aren't the problem. The fact that we keep believing in them is the fact that we keep turning to, to money and using that. And the fact that we don't think that there's an alternative, that's really the only problem. And, and the fact is, is that you can go out and trade with neighbors right now. 
you can go out and, and meet people who are growing their own greens at home, who are, you know, making their own furniture, who are refurbishing things. There's things that you can do in terms of trading your time and your attention and everything else. The only thing is, is that how do you justify that when you have to pay your bills and nobody's willing, willing to let you pay your rent with sweat equity, right? It's very difficult. And so you have to work, you have to play in the, in the game, you have to participate in the monetary system. So if it's not just a matter of not using the money, then it's a matter of not believing in the system that uses that money, which means empathizing with people. It actually means connecting with that community that I just talked about, actually maintaining the connection to people because you've surrendered your identity so you can empathize and, and actually get along with people without needing an ulterior motive. And in that connection, in that community, you will start to find more opportunities to trade. You might find more opportunities for alternative means of supporting yourself in one way or many ways. But it really does come down to the connection first. Like you can't say, well, we got to get rid of the money system. Then we're all going to get along. That's obviously not true. That's obviously not true because we've not always had money and we still didn't get along. And why didn't we get along? Because we were egotistical. That's where money came from right? They came from us and our need to evaluate and our need to accumulate and our need to, to do it, make sure I got mine, Jack. Like that's the whole point. And without that, it wouldn't be here. So the problem isn't the money, right? It's like um, in the Bible, the quote isn't money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. Yeah. And talking about money and, and whatnot, like I'm, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin and um, that's pretty much it. Not cryptocurrency, just just Bitcoin. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that while it maybe is a you know better money than what we have right now with fiat currency and all the crazy shit going on with all of that, it's still humans using it. If it's still through a divisive mentality, if it's still through the mentality that we perpetuate and believe in right now, it's still gonna get fucked up by us. Maybe, maybe it'll be less fucked up than the current fiat system for sure <laughs> right raise raise not so sure about that but uh i don't know i have i have maybe a little bit more faith in it or, or hope in it i don't know hope that's a that's a freaky one but uh yeah uh it, it it's still as long as it's coming from and rooted in a specific mentality until the mentality shifts nothing nothing else is going to shift that much we can make slight little adjustments but it has to be through us which as much as we want you know immediate gratification immediate changes like comes down to you day to day like using the monetary system less like even just in a few ways like that's what it comes down to it's not going to be this like you know government passes a law to to cut the fed and all this like if you ever think that's going to happen good fucking luck that that is a pipe dream that i can almost guarantee will will not happen it has to come down to us and our priority we're the ones who use the monetary system we're the ones who keep it around we're the ones who keep it churning and, and pushing and so there has to be changes in that if we want to see changes in that we're the ones who have to change it because we're the system. You're the system. You're that system that you want to change so badly. You got to change. But in that, you got to take responsibility and actually change shit in your life. You can't just keep pointing the finger. That's not how it works. That's right. I don't like how things are going. You change. Amanda. 
I completely agree with uh, both of the points that you made. It's very much, uh, I've got to get mine, Jack, and a divisive mentality um, because one of our first forms of currency wasn't gold and silver, it was cacao. It was cacao powder. And there was, um, there was uh, fraudulent, not fraudulent, but there was, um, there was, uh, what was it? What's the name of it? It's, um, it wasn't real. They would, they would roll mud. They would roll mud into seeds so that the bag of cacao seeds would have the same weight but it was um, it was another way that people were were lying uh, counterfeit. Thank you so much, Ray. So there was counterfeit cacao um, beans and seeds because we were trying to get more for ourselves because we had a divisive mindset, and that has been around since the beginning of time. So it doesn't really matter what we, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's gold, whether it's debt, whether it's cash, whether it's cacao. If the if the mindset is always me versus you, then I'm going to do everything I can to screw you and to benefit myself. Um, so I do agree that it's all about taking responsibility and thinking of ways to collaborate instead of people trying to buy land or a house as an individual, buy it with your friends, buy it with your family, buy it with groups of people. Because if you haven't been paying attention, the government and, and private real estate owners are snatching up land at record speeds. And we have to work together to get that land before it's not available, before it's no longer on the market. Um, because if you can become self-sufficient and you can grow your own food and you can own the land and you won't have to pay rent to an apartment building, then the system this quote unquote system will die. It will not, it will not survive if we are not participating in it. So find ways to work in groups to make yourself separate from this system so that you don't have to work to grow your own food. You don't have to work to pay for your land where you're living, but it's gonna be a lot harder if you think that the only way to do it is in the current layout, which says, I have to get it, it has to be mine, and I can't share it because the risk of sharing gives me a, a sense of uncertainty that I'm not comfortable with. Fuck that, get over it and find a way to collaborate with people because if you don't, you're just screwing us all in the process. You know, like we have to work together um, because things are changing really quickly. They're, they're about to change a national tax law. They're trying to in the US for they're taking out state income tax uh, or federal income tax and to replace it with a 30 to 40% national sales tax. It's like laws are changing. Land is getting bought up. It's like, this is not the time to be like, oh, maybe I can wait 10, 20 years. Like, no, we have to wake the fuck up and start doing things now, but together. And so if, you know, find me in the discord, man, I am always in there. If you want to brainstorm, call me up. I'm my, my handle is at the awareness but like I am always open for brainstorming and figuring out ways that we can work together because together is where we're going to find the solution. It's not putting on a fucking cape and saving anybody. We have to do it together. You're damn right. I thought that was fantastic, Amanda. I just want to say we're going to get into some of the details of what we kind of have talked about in terms of dualistic unity and all that, but I'm going to pass it over to Marie first. Um, so Amanda, love everything you're saying and love the energy you constantly bring everywhere, I have to assume, <laughs> um, but especially to this community. Um, but it made me think of going back a little bit to the conversation of teaching and like what I can specifically do in my classroom, which is like 
conversations about sharing, like Amanda, you were just saying, and like um, we talk about uh, fairness and like equity, right? So like just this concept that like everybody should get what they need, period, right? So like period, like you are here, we like that's it, like you need something, you get it. <laughs> um, and uh, sometimes we have to share in order for those people to get what they need. Um, and we have those conversations. And it's funny because people will look at like what I do and be like, oh, you teach pre-K. That's so cute. Like you must just play all day. Like, no, we're having real ass. What are you talking about? I'm having more real conversations than you are having in your whole business day. Are you talking? What are you talking about? We are asking questions. We are learning about our, like, do you, but I'm just going to get wrapped up there, but it's just, it's funny because then it, then, <laughs> then it ties to like empathy and like recognizing you want to give what people need because you empathize, you see them as a part of you and there's no need to separate yourself and be my, 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 no giving is to like receive. It's the same thing. You're like, like if you're giving to others and like that, then that reinforces the, community like that we are together and so it's just like cool stuff I appreciate you all it's really cool likewise likewise and I think this is an important conversation because admittedly it's a conversation that Andrew and I have had and we've discussed at the last retreat but we don't often talk about here on the podcast because admittedly there's a lot in terms of how long this might take and the ripples that it would require and so on and so forth and so from my perspective the idea of getting land, being self-sufficient, sharing with other people. So many people have tried that. And there are so many horror stories of people who got together online, four families, two families, six families, whatever, got into a shared mortgage or, or some kind of a shared financing agreement on a chunk of land. And then two years later, somebody had a kid and they were setting fire to somebody else's garbage or they were doing something weird. Like it happens like that. And it's because it's not just about getting off grid. It's not just about getting away from the system. It's about getting away from the system in your fucking mind. The one that's ripped us apart to begin with. And so Dualistic unity for me is the initial stages of that recognition. Dualistic unity in terms of the conversation, this discussion, the growth of this community is what's necessary before we ever get to that land. Because unless we can get past our shit, we're going to rip each other apart. It's just going to repeat again. So this is, this is I guess, the first step in, in terms of what I think is necessary to eventually go in that direction. But understand and again, Andrew and I have kind of talked about this with Amanda, as you can tell, um, there are things to consider. Like, for example, you know, the rising tax rate and so on and so forth. The fact that humans are treated differently than corporations. Right? And, and again, the mentality. So for us, creating dualistic unity will eventually lead to more retreats, will eventually lead to more live events where we can meet more and more people and bring all of you together. See, it's not even about meeting us. So much as giving your giving all of you an opportunity to meet each other, because in that you can coordinate, you can network, you can brainstorm, you can imagine shit and imagine what might come out of that. But for my part, I envision dualistic unity eventually getting to a point where it does purchase land. And you'll notice I said dualistic unity there. Because to me, this is its own entity. Andrew and I just need what we need to survive and move through our lives and all of that other fun stuff. But the growth of this entity is really the growth of this discussion. And eventually we're going to need places to have this discussion full time. We're going to need land with houses on it and things that we can do to sustain ourselves. Very much like Amanda was saying, but in the right mentality. 
And so we've talked about um, agriculture, geodesic domes. We've talked about microcultivation in terms of being able to finance that property because you still have to deal with the government and the monetary system as it is right now. But you, you create enough of those properties that can say take 20 to 30 people per property and they actually are self-sufficient and they create their own food and they maybe manufacture one or two things here and there. And you can start sending stuff back and forth from all these different properties if they're on the same continent or otherwise. All of a sudden we've created a self-sustainable system of our own wherein we don't have to worry about money. The property makes the money. The property deals with the system. The organization is the public front so we can all live in the garden as we fucking choose to without having to worry about money. Everything's covered. And you would be you know, a part owner of all of this so that way you know you have equity and an, and an equal say. See the whole thing? But it requires us to actually get out of our, oh, but I got to make sure I'm at the top and I got, I'm getting paid the most, right? Like I'm putting the most time in. We got to get rid of all of that shit because we know where it goes. And that's it. And the rest is just being smart about it. But without selfishness, fuck, imagine how much we can accomplish. But genuine selflessness, genuine, because you recognize that you're not what you think and your cup is full. Just to share that, this is something I've been thinking about for 20 years, 20 years. And I'm telling you, there's so much more than just getting the land. I wish it was that simple. It's you changing right now that's going to make this possible. It's all of us changing right now that's going to make this possible. And the land's going to be there, whether they try to buy it up all or not, because we have a corporation and we can use all of their bullshit laws against them. We can use all of their loopholes against them because they respect corporations, right? So if we're going to use an egotistical face, let's make it awesome. And let's do some insane altruistic shit with it because we can Let's just get in everybody's face about being selfless because we can. And then we'll make it a way of life. And that's, in, in a nutshell, my vision. <laughs> Lacking all the detail and whatnot. But I, I just need everybody to understand that it's, it's you and your enthusiasm that's going to do it. It's you and your change that's going to do it. And I'm just grateful you're here. Likewise. Amen. I mean, and that that's the beauty in all of this is that as much as we talk about having lofty ambitions, all the things happening, like what informs all of it is you and you shifting and you and you changing and you letting go of the things that weigh you down, like recognizing that you don't have to keep holding on to them. You don't have to keep holding on to them so tightly because, you know, they give you that false sense of sense of certainty. They give you that false sense of control. You can let that go and see, you know, test out the waters, see what it's like. Like uh, Mark was talking about earlier, being willing to let go of the past, you know, die to the past in every single moment. Understand that, yeah, th those things did happen, but they never meant anything about you. They never meant anything about the reality of you. And, and as you can recognize that all you've ever been and all you ever will be is where you're at here and now, you can make decisions in that mentality and those decisions it's not that you have to try and and change and try and make different decisions the decisions will naturally change as you let go of that perception of lack as you let go of all the things that are weighing you down and you are where you're at existing for your experience here and now the the changes happen naturally the decisions completely change you don't have to wonder like oh how how would i decide to do this if i was in a state of clarity 
be in a state of clarity and the decisions will arise. The intuition happens naturally. You know, it has its own own voice, own feeling, own goals and thoughts and and everything about it just changes. You don't have to worry about what it's going to be like when you get there. Just get there and everything else informs that. But, you know, with with all of these things, with dualistic unity growing, this conversation shifting and changing, you don't have to get too worked up about trying to do too much. You know, a lot of times when things start happening, we get very excited and we're like, I have to go fucking tell everyone and yell from the rooftops and, and change the fucking world. And it's like, just change you. Just work on you. Just let go of you or recognize that there was never anything you had to change. Let's start there. Let go of that idea that there is anything wrong with you. There's anything you've ever had to change and relax into the reality of what you are and live in that and be okay with that. That's really what it comes down to is a lack of resistance to the reality of you to what you are. And through that, see what happens. Try it out for, for a little while. Try it out for an hour. Imagine that there was actually nothing wrong with you. There was nothing you ever had to change. Just see how it goes. See, see what you see. And, uh, and allow that to inform the rest of your life. There's a great song by a perfect circle. It's called the noose. And uh, in that song, it says, recall the deeds as if they're all someone else's atrocious story. Now you stand reborn, reborn before us all. So glad to see you well. And that's very much it, right? Like, look at the story that you've lived and just remember, it's not you. It never defined you. And now you're free and you can do what you want with it. It's a great song. It's called The Noose by A Perfect Circle. Mark. Yeah, just, um, <clears throat> I may have, I may have had the idea flight thing go. <laughs> Uh, oh no 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 I think I'm good um oh yeah so you know I noticed even more and I've mentioned this a couple of times lately if you think that examining the future or and examining examining everything from the past is going to help you make the best decision right now I mean I'm learning more and more myself that if I'm thinking about those things, I'm not taking in everything I need to be taking in right now to make the best decision. You know, I'm I'm just going on all this faulty information and projections uh, based on, you know, the past, based on what I've seen before, the future. I don't know anything about it. I'm making that stuff up. Anyway, I don't have, you know, but still, I mean, you 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 don't have your focus on right now if you're if you're carried away in your thoughts somewhere else, future, past, or whatever it is. I'm learning that myself. I'm having to be really careful uh, nowadays about giving my thoughts too much attention. I have, to, you know, because, uh, you know, I've mentioned I, I have to really, you know, I'm really actively listening to people now because if I get caught up in my thoughts, I totally, I've recognized that I lose everything they're saying. So all these years, I've just been getting a little tiny bit of information that I should have been getting. So um, it's like, yeah, it's just going along with what Andrew was saying. I mean, if you're going to make the best decisions or most, you know, if you want to get the most information that you can to make your next choice, whatever it may be, then that's all right now. That's where it's at. Nothing else is going to help you. You you need your attention fully focused on what's right in front of you so you can take it all in and move forward that way. Yeah. Uh, as we said uh, previously in a conversation and Andrew reiterated it and I'm like, that was good. And then he's like, you kind of said that. I'm like, oh, um, it was uh, it's not how long we live, but how much we live. Right. It really just comes down to how deep in the moment we really are all the time. 
and that changes everything, but that hasn't been our focus as a collective, even as individuals, right? Because it takes a certain level of responsibility. And that's what all of this comes back to. So we are in the last eight or nine minutes of this roundtable episode. I'm going to pass it to Andrew here shortly, but I just want to say, fucking A, this was great. This is the perfect transition to a new roundtable routine. I'm really looking forward to doing this again next time. If anybody would like to join us for the next roundtable, it will be two weeks from now on every second Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can join us, just be a tier two or a tier three patron. And the sign-up form is usually posted the day before we do the episode, because of course it is an additional sign-up form. You do have to agree that we're gonna make this into an episode and you can't ask us to edit you out because that's a lot of work for me and I don't want to. And and I like keeping keeping everything in these episodes. Like we, we clip up the, uh, the classic episodes here and there but with with the raw episodes i really enjoy that everything's just on the table there's no right or wrong way to do it get what you're saying remember what you're saying doesn't fucking matter it's all we're all here just chatting there's no right or wrong way to have the conversation and that's the beauty of it and i think i think there's a freedom in that and in a willingness to make zero fucking sense whatsoever and just keep going you're like yeah, someone's going to resonate. That's the thing too is is have faith. You know, have faith in us. We'll probably we'll probably be able to hear what you're saying. Uh, it's funny when when we're on. You know, these obviously these these are essentially Patreon calls just made public. But when we're on the Patreon calls and someone's like, I don't know if this is going to make any sense. I don't know if that made any sense. Like, fucking try us. Come on, have some have some faith. I bet we can. I bet we'll follow. I bet we'll hear you. And if we don't, a lot of that's on us. That's it. That's in our inability to comprehend. But yeah, it, it's fun too. It's it's kind of like a, a journey deciphering sometimes what what people are saying or what they're what they're trying to get across. And and usually the when we're hesitant about whether or not anyone's gonna understand it, like those are the those are the good insights right there, where it's like, because none of it is words. We're all just pointing to shit, you know. We're, none of it's actually hundred percent true. So, you know, they're they're all sort of have truths or 80% truths or 10% truths. So it, it doesn't much matter how it comes across as long as you, you know, do your best to do so. And then, you know, we'll, we'll do the rest to hear where you're coming from. But yeah, I, uh, I love these episodes. I love our Patreon group chats. If you do enjoy being a part of this, obviously all you are a part of this. I, <laughs> what am I trying to say? If you enjoy listening to this or think you would enjoy being involved in this conversation, this is what our Patreon calls are like. It's just a back and forth. Sometimes, you know, we get a little bit deeper and people are a little, little more willing to share some of their personal experiences because it is, there are private groups. They're not published as episodes like these are, uh, but they're always a blast. Patreon calls, these calls are my favorite parts to the week. So I appreciate all of you, especially you three very much. Mark, Amanda, and Marie, uh, for for being a part of this, uh, love you, love you all very much, and really enjoy that you're all a part of this conversation because you bring a lot to the table and and to this community. It's always a blast chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. This is probably, like I said earlier, the best part of my week. Honestly, these discussions, connecting with everybody, hearing how you're doing. Um, I did want to say something to anybody who is watching. If you would like to join this particular conversation, and by that I mean the public roundtable, it really helps to remember that there's no pressure there. There have been numerous times just today where I totally forgot what I was going to say. 
And I just passed it off to someone else. And then they started talking and went, aha, and something else came up. And that's okay, because there is no goal to this episode. We didn't go into the episode saying, okay, Mark, Amanda Marie, we're going to cover this topic today. Try and stay on it. You know, we didn't say that. We didn't even have a topic. We never do. I came in with a bit of a gripe. I started ranting and we went from there. And that is pretty much every roundtable episode. The fact that you're here is enough. You have something to say, say something. If you don't have something to say, that's okay too. If you don't remember what you want to say, that's all right too. If you go off on a tangent and forget what you were talking about halfway through, awesome. We might pull something out of it because Andrew, what Andrew was just saying is absolutely true. We are genuinely interested. You see, that's the whole point. It really isn't about the words you use or how you bring it across. It's about the fact that we care. We want to hear you. We want to understand you. We want to get insights from our conversation and our relationship with you. And that's on us. So with that intention in mind, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry about. We love you just as you are. Just, just be here with us. And between all of us, we'll figure out what the fuck is going on. Or we won't. And we'll just talk about not knowing what the fuck is going on, which is just as good as long as we're in it together. On that note, I think we're going to wrap up our roundtable here. If Andrew, unless you have anything you'd like to say, I think that's Andrew indicating that he doesn't have anything he'd like to I add. Got, I got, I got nothing to add. I said, I said my piece. I'm ready for Patreon to uh, continue the conversation for another hour and a half because this, this is a lot of fun. And uh, thank you all very much for for joining us. Yeah, this has been a blast. And just one. Last announcement, of course, I did say that we're going to be doing these every two weeks. We are also going to be doing a live call-in show every alternate Tuesday. So next Tuesday, regardless if you're a Patreon supporter or not, there is going to be a link that you can click to agree to the terms to be on our show. And then you'll get about 10, 15 minutes to discuss whatever it is you want to discuss with us live in front of everybody. You can just participate in the comments if you'd like to as well, but you can call in and actually talk to us, whether you're a supporter or not. Likewise, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, we do a free group via Zoom that you can join. That is again, not public. The video after the fact is only posted on Patreon. So you're welcome to join us and just see what it's like. And we'll be doing that uh, Wednesday, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time. So you can find the details at dualisticunity.com in the free events section. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone.